When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, guys, welcome back to another episode of Teams Like Bryson. Now, guys, if you're listening just on the audio, you'll probably hear a little bit of uh, audio interference. Don't worry about that. All can be explained if you're watching. All of that can be explained. If you're watching this on YouTube, you will see that we're at a familiar place right now. All will be revealed later. Basically, Richie and I had a little bit of a kickabout. Unfortunately, Deserve did not see our talents, fortunately. Um, but look, what a game against City. We'll talk about that later on in the, in the episode. And we'll be looking ahead to the Villa where we have absolutely nothing to play for and Villa have got everything to play for. So it'll be in for a cracking match, won't it, Richie? I think it will, Tom. Yeah, it will. Right, we're going to go back to where we usually do our podcast and uh, we'll take it from there. Yes, guys. Right, we're back where we usually are, but with, with a little bit of a twist here. No Yes, Richie's uh, made it to the shed. He's made it to the shed. Uh, he couldn't make couldn't make his train last night to uh, North London, so he's uh, stuck stuck in my place for a few more hours in the shed. Anyway, Richie, let's go ahead for it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about that City game, and let's just put it out there: Julio and Ciso only scores bangers, doesn't he? Oh my god! We were, I was talking about this with a few uh, other people in, in the press room, and we were debating whether this one was better than the Chelsea banger. And it was. I think this might have been better. I, I look back at the the different replays, and it's one of those shots that remind me of, like in tennis, where for ninety percent of the trajectory of the ball, it looks like it's going wide, and then it just goes in. He's like, oh, that was just so so good. But yeah, I mean, unbelievable goal. That I can't remember a game between two sides that was quality, that just pure quality, like throughout. It was just, and and Brighton didn't give you know give an inch. They were going at it hammer and tong. They more than held their own. I think they were the f- first or second team this season who've had like twenty shots against City, um, which is just fantastic. Uh, obviously, a rare time where Brighton didn't have the majority of the ball, but they they really um, they weren't cowed by City. You know, so many teams sit back and just try to contain them and and Brighton were like no we're going to take you head on and uh, it was yeah the first half in particular was lung busting stuff the yeah the, the quality was off the charts it was an absolute joy to be there um and yeah and then to obviously to cap it all off just to make it we know we knew it was going to happen but to make it mathematically certain that Brighton had got Europa League and then a nice little touch playing the Europa League tune afterwards um yeah, it was a fantastic night and uh, what a goal. Uh, I, I loved it as well when they just put on the Europa League anthem. I was like, oh, here we go. Even though Europa Conference is also the same anthem, but just knowing is that, it? yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> but the fact they had like the Europa League logo on the screens and everything like that, and it's just like, oh, you got you had that feeling about it. It's just like, yeah, this is confirmed now. And the nice little touch by Falmer Station with the yeah yeah next stop Europe loving it loving it so uh, yes so I hope many of you like me will be looking at um, uh, finding out ways and how on earth we can afford this and do it on the cheapest way possible Uh, (laughs) I I I just cannot wait for next season but the season isn't over just yet obviously we could we could talk more about the City match 
we got Villa to also throw Let's forward as well. But but that City match was just insane. But yes, look, as soon as I saw that lineup, I thought, oh God, here we go. We're going like Villa need a 16 goal swing here. And I thought, oh, City <laughs> gonna do them a favour, aren't they? And then they're going to go and try and batter us at Villa Park and they'll have the whole crowd with them. Uh, it, it, I just thought, oh, this isn't going to go well for us at all. But we were, we matched up with them. Yeah, you could argue that most of those players were at the beach anyway. They got their Premier League title and they just need to just keep themselves a little bit warm for the FA Cup and the Champions League uh, later on in uh, next month. But we still put the best team in Europe a run for their money. We gave them a run for their money. And it's frightening just how good some of our youngsters were, not just in CISO, but Ferguson was good as well. Matoma was loving the competition he had with Carl Walker as well. And you you really don't appreciate just how quick and rapid Walker is, do you? He's he's brilliant. One to one, he's just he's just he was just snapping at his heels the whole time. But just on on the point, of the youngsters for me for Kunda Bonnotte, his best game by a mile. I Absolutely, he uh, it reminded me a little bit of when Enciso came back from the international break in late March, and he came back a different player. Yeah, you know, when he scored his first goal at Bournemouth, his decision making was much much better. He seemed to have like beat players for fun but for Bonanotte he just looked he looked like he toughened up as well and his decision making was good he was able to go past players and we talked about it in the previous podcast how he looked a bit wasted on the right but this was the first time where he looked really um he looked really at home and that was really good to see I um I asked uh Dezebi about that after the game and he said it just, you know, this is something that takes time. As we said, Tom, you know, he's an 18-year-old. He's come from Argentina. It's a big, big culture shock. And it just, you know, it just um, practice makes perfect. And But, yeah, it was really, really good to see. And then, obviously, Isiso has won the goal. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Tom, was um, we previously spoke about at the Newcastle game how uh, Van Heck maybe didn't quite look up to the task for a Premier League defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brighton, let's say. Um, what did he make of his performance against Erling Haaland, no less? Solid. I thought him and Colwell were very, very good in terms of how they're working together off the ball, organising that back line together, communicating with the midfield together, and then having to battle with Erling Haaland, who, let's face it, was an absolute handful in that box. And he was getting himself in positions that were really threatening. So. I've re- I was really impressed with Van Heck, really. I think credit where credit's due. He just di- he didn't have the best of games against Newcastle. And I think a lot of the players kind of went in trying their best. But when you've got 50,000 Geordies, knowing that Champions League football is just around the corner and you've got some of the, like Dan, big Dan Byrne, who, yeah, he's ex-Albion and he, he definitely enjoyed that goal more than anything else. And fair play to him. I've got no, nothing against him for that. It was always going to be a tough shift. And I think that was probably deserving knowing him and his man management. He probably just went, That's that that's the standard. That's where you need to be. You can't you, you can't experience that again. You need to push yourself that little bit more. And he did that with City. Of all of all the teams to actually make that performance, City is the team that you need to really make yourself known. Van Hank's definitely done that. And it'll be very interesting to see where he is in the squad next season because I can see him being a very, very competent 
defender in the Premier League. Whether or not we might see some, some strength in, in the transfer market in that area remains to be seen. It, But personally, I think Van Heck has definitely made a case for him to stay at least for another season. Yeah, I think my, my take on it is that Van Heck is a more of an old-fashioned hard defender. He's not the best on the ball. Uh, you know, which I think they showed at Newcastle. If you press him hard enough, he hasn't quite got the technical ability of a Dunker, Colwell or a Webster. But he does provide something a little bit different. And when he was given a job to just essentially man Mark Harland, which is obviously a, a crazy tough task, he is a good, you know, get rid of it defender type thing. Although he's actually showed a beautiful bit of skill in the box with really quick feet when he not megged, but he sort of like a, like a flick through his legs. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, for me, that was um, initially I was thinking, oh, I don't know if he's going to be good enough. I still don't think he's, he's he's good enough to be starting. But yeah, it's safe with Brighton in Europe. He could maybe get some games there. I just wonder if he'll want to play regularly somewhere else. But segueing on to his teammate, um, there was an interview in The Athletic uh, this week with Levi Colwell. And one of the main takeaways was that he forgot that he was a Chelsea player. <laughs> um, so obviously he's on a season-long loan from Brighton, uh, sorry, from Chelsea to Brighton. It does, you know, the fans are repeatedly saying, Levi Cobble, you want you to say. Similar with a lot of players, actually. McAllister, McAllister. But he, it does seem maybe as if this could happen. I mean, just to <laughs> caveat, obviously he still has two years left in his contract. He probably would cost a hefty amount if Brighton did sign him. But, I mean, he d- is saying that he's like, he basically says, deserve he's like a world-class manager. He's loving the team. He's loving the celebrations. He's had a couple of things on social media that maybe hints, could it happen, Tom? I think it should. Um, I, I, I Should I think, or could? It, it, I think it should. It should happen. Do it should. Get, do you think it could? I think it could. Okay. I think it can. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it should. Should have, would have, could have, would have. Um, it, it, it makes sense. Like, look at look at where Chelsea is at the moment. They still don't know who their next manager is next season. So, and you, that, he doesn't really know if he's got a future there because, well, they haven't got someone to make the decisions on the team yet. So, you've got that to think of, and then you've got Deserve coming in, who really believes in him, guided him. He's now officially a top six Premier League defender. Was Chelsea what twelve? Yeah. And you know, look, Chelsea, I can see Chelsea bouncing back next season. That's not an issue. Yeah. But he's got the he's got the prospects of coming in on the permanent deal. He's playing week in, week out. He's rather than probably being part of like a rotation system, he's could easily just walk into our team every single week if he could. Personally, I think that that's something that he he will be considering. You know, he's he's uh, despite the shaky start at the season where it just seemed like he just wasn't going to get the minutes in he's all of a sudden become one of the one, one of the best players in our squad overnight well not I would say overnight in the in the second half of the season anyway it makes sense because he works so well with Dunkey what he did really well with Van Heck against City he seems to be an absolute shoo-in he knows exactly what Deserby wants and expects Deserby loves him I personally, I think it's, I think it's, um, it'll be silly for us not to try and sign him on the permanent basis. 
because Levi Cole will definitely be one of those players that we need when we're in Europa League. So, yeah, Levi, um, stay, mate. You know, Sussex by the sea and, you know, we've got, we've got great beaches, you know, decent bars and, you know, the Albion as well. And also Europa League, like Chelsea on in Europe next season, mate. So do, do you do you want that? I don't, I don't think so. So, yeah, he should uh, definitely stay and uh, see what happens next season. Make more history with us. Nice. Another defender that we can't not talk about, Lewis Dunk. Finally, finally, given the England call-up that he has long deserved. Obviously, his sole cap was back in 2018, um, nearly five years ago. Uh, I think it was October or November 2018 against USA. Tom, what are your thoughts on Dunkey finally getting the call? Um, because I think it just felt like it was never going to happen. About bloody time, Gareth Southgate. Thank you so much for actually waking up and seeing that the answer to your back three dilemma is in the hands of a Lewis Dunk. Premier League captain, consistent week in, week out. He, I, I think he's only ever had one error this season and that's it. Apart from that, he has been utterly superb. Eight out of ten more or less every single weekend, every single match. He's just, he sets the standard for us. And it's utterly criminal that he just, he's constantly ignored by Gareth Southgate in the past. And it wasn't even this season that he's been good. He's been superb the season before and the season before that and the season before that and the season before that. In fact, when he got his cap, he didn't change. He got better. So, and, that, and, and certain players who still got called up were shocking. And even there's someone, Maguire, who can't even get into his own team. And he's the club captain for Manchester United. How does someone not see the issue at hand where he just thinks, you know, I need to need to explore other options here? And yes, you do. You've got Lewis Duncan. You could have had him for four years. He could have been at the World Cup. God knows what could he, what could he, what could have been. But look, he deserves he deserves his England call up. Over the moon for him. Cannot wait to see what happens. I only wish what could have happened if Sonny March wasn't injured. Because he would have been... I, I personally think he would have also walked into that England squad as well. And I think next season he will. Because he is superb under uh, Zerbi. And I think he's just going to come bigger and better than ever next season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in the, in the previous um, round of call-ups... Uh, Galfgate, 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 <laughs> Southgate <laughs> uh, did acknowledge uh, March's form, but he said that that is an area where they're pretty well stocked. You know, Rashford, Saka, um, I think a few other options on on the wing. He actually sort of sidestepped the dunk question. Just like, last time round, yeah. But this time, I don't. I, I mean, people do say that Southgate has a a big six bias and Brighton had to gate crash the big six for to actually get an England call up. But yeah, I mean, as you say, long, long overdue. Um, I mean, yeah, just in terms of the quality, I mean, I, obviously I, I covered site covering Brighton in the 2021 season. Um, and yeah, a number of times that Graham Potter was saying that, you know, he, he deserved to get an England call up. I remember, I, I remember one game in particular, I think it was, Brighton versus Leeds, 2-0 win, late end of season. He did that like amazing chest back yeah. to the keeper. But there's just so, there's so many commanding games where he, you're thinking, this guy is, is clearly better than the likes of Eric Dyer or 
to be fair, Tyron Ming seems to actually had a good end to the season or last yeah. second half of the season. But prior to that, you know, he, he was not very good. He um, wasn't. And he was deservedly dropped in the last call-up, I believe. But yeah, uh, how Tyron Mings in the past has been picked higher Eric up Dunk, than Eric than than uh, Lewis Dunk and Eric Dyer as well is uh, yeah is a question mark that I I don't think we'll ever get the answer to. It's one of those things in football we just think what. But look, Dunkey's back in the England setup. He absolutely deserves it, and I hope he stays in there up until he retires because. He's such a good commanding presence in that back four, back three, whatever he's going to play. He could play in that three constantly. He could play in the four constantly. He could be the pivot and what have two wide playing centre-backs uh, as well. There's so much that he can do as a defender and it's just so underappreciated on an international level. But I'm just glad that he's actually he's, he's going to get that chance now. He's you know, we've got Malta who are going to be, you know, the minnows of that group. And then you've got North Macedonia who are going to be a bit more of a challenge. I hope he starts both. I think he deserves that at the very least. So it'll be interesting to see what Southgate does in June. Who knows what happens next? Yeah, I, I think, um, I hope it's not going to be a case of uh, before the World Cup, you know, Ivan Tony was called up, didn't yep. play, I think, a minute in those um, friendly matches before the World Cup. So you're like, what is the point? in you know calling him up i really hope that southgate does play him because form wise for me it probably has to be if they do if they go for a back four for me it's probably got to be duncan stones yeah um they're they're fantastic um i mean yeah stones for me is a really really good player as well um but yes finally brighton yeah they have to they have to really do it the hard way though. i mean to qualify for top six to, to get an england call it's just like fuck. anywho um, so one thing shifting a little bit uh, after the match, I was lucky enough to speak to Dennis Undav, who is maybe my favourite Brighton player to interview because he's so candid and honest and just very critical of himself, but really good fun. Um, some are a bit more, I don't know, seems like they've been PR trained. You know, they, they sort of sh they're not there to really. They sometimes shut stuff down a bit, whereas he just kind of you just give him a thing and he'll just off he goes. Um, but so I asked him about um, uh, what had been the difference from the last month or so when he scored, you know, four goals in five games. Um, and I was going to read you some quotes. Uh, so he said, um, after the Manchester United FA Cup game, I had a conversation with the gaffer. It was a hard one, but it, it, it made it click in my head. Since that moment, I've got better and better and finally scored my goals. I knew that Deserby, uh, I knew what Deserby wanted from me then, and I was building more confidence than I had in the beginning. And that's credit to him. Uh, you know, he's the gaffer. He, he will tell you the truth. He will turn to your face. I knew what he wanted from me, and it's got better and better. He wanted me to give more energy because it looked like I wasn't 100% into the game because of my body language. I was always like this, so it's difficult for me to change, but I've really tried, and I think my high intensity runs are higher than they were in the beginning. Um, just skipping ahead a little bit, he says, I think I've improved when I see clips from the last game compared to the beginning of the season. It's a different Dennis. I have tried to get better and better every day. Um, and just to, to finish off, he said, uh, I'm happy again. I'm smiling. Before I was not really smiling, but now I'm smiling again. If I smile and I'm happy, I think I play better than when I'm angry. There we go. I've... <laughs> 
yeah, I, I, to be fair, that's a pretty fair assessment of what he's saying. There were times in the past where he just felt like he just his head wasn't in it, and you just based it on his body language. If that's just how he is, fair enough. But he knows that we don't know that, and I think that's where there, there's always been that sense of frustration with Dev. But then he comes up with absolute moments of brilliance. You know that that brace against Wolves, the lob against Arsenal, and you know he's he's having a decent return rate in terms of goal um in terms of games to goals ratio so you know we there, there are positive steps there and i think if, now that he's got that he's found his feet now solid pre-season and we've got a decent striker on our hands see what happens next but you know fair play to him let's see what happens next with him I can't wait to see this new dennis undav come next season yeah, he also said that he, um, I'm not sure if you had noticed on the TV or on the screens, but um, he loves the fact that the fans sing his name. Like, he, he loves he, he it. Do, he does uh, love the it. Dennis, obviously taking the Neil Mope, Hey Baby song. He loves it. He's just, he was smiling away on the touchline, laughing, like, you know, waving away. It's um, it's great to see. But yeah, just on, on that point, I think, I think we all realise that, you know, Evan Ferguson is the superstar. He's the one oh. who's going to be leading the line next season well but probably second undav maybe third but he still can be an important squad player and, and if um i think i heard somewhere that in terms of sort of brighton's research the kind of you know very stat heavy approach undav was one of the best finishers that they've they've come across yeah um absolutely so you know if he can come on and have an impact then then sure you know he, he offers something a little bit different um I think against Newcastle, he just really his all-round game wasn't great, but he just had a clinical touch. So yes, hopefully he can have a, a you know a good preseason with Deserby and um, and kick on from there. Happy days, let's go for it. Looking forward to it all. But it is quite interesting what you're saying there about him potentially being the third pick, and I don't think that's even a bad thing now. Like I said in the past, we've got a lot of games now to think about. There's going to be rotation. Deserby wants to run in the cup again. So there are going to be times where Ferguson, I think he will be leading it. I think he'll be the preferred choice, but he will be 19 years old next season. You've got to nurture that talent and nurture the development for him. That is the priority. That's why we've got Welbeck in our team. That's why we've got Undav in our team, because they are they're proven strikers at this level. They've got plenty of experience behind them in the well, in the form of Danny Welbeck anyway. So that's what we need to focus on and just get that rotation going as smoothly as we possibly can. And CISO and Bonanotte can play in that sort of number 10 fluence, fluid second striker role as well. There are plenty of options and plenty of different approaches that Deserby can do, and he has done. It'll be exciting to see what, what, what happens next and how he sees the squad uh, next season. But yeah, I think now it's time to move on to the Villa match. Now, we'll, 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 we'll talk very briefly on this because we do have a chat with Ashley Priest uh, over at Birmingham Live about all things Villa because they have everything to play for. We have absolutely nothing, which is glorious. I was so worried when we had to play at Villa because we're not going to get a result at Villa Park. I will be very, very impressed. That, that, that's not because I've got any doubts in the club, but we're at the beach now, literally at the beach, and... Villa will be will be keen to secure 
a place in Europe after such an incredible turnaround under Unai Emery. Yes, he's done. He's done a fantastic job. You know, when Stephen Gerrard was sat, they were you know around the relegation places, and now they're seventh. So not quite good enough to get uh, Europa League, uh, but um, oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean the, the turnaround is unbelievable, and you just think you know if he had the whole season, crikey, like what could they have done? Because they literally came out of nowhere yeah. to the point when they were fifth, I think, for a little bit, and then they've they've um, they had a couple of not so good results of, of late, but yeah, they he's he's got them playing really really well. Obviously, they did beat Brighton two one at the Amex back in November, um, and yes, it should be a really really tough game. I wouldn't even be surprised if just because Brighton can keep on surprising and delivery, I wouldn't even be surprised if they get a result. But just just before we, we uh, go to Ashley, there was um, Deserby was uh, asked about the the Villa game, and he said. Villa will be another very tough game. They deserve to achieve Europe over Tottenham. Well, I didn't actually say over Tottenham Brentford because that is also, that's just, yeah. they have a lot right in that because Aston Villa uh, are seven, a point ahead of Spurs, two points ahead of Brentford. Brentford could overhaul them all. That would be quite funny. Um, but yes, yeah, so he actually says uh, Villa deserve to achieve Europe. Uno Emery has changed their season and they have big players with a clear style of play. We have to arrive ready. The holidays have not started yet. We have to respect ourselves, the club and the fans in every game and every training session we have to play seriously. We go to Birmingham to win and play in our way. Play. Well, 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 so once again, I got, you got no criticism for what Deserby has to say, really, can Ever. you? No, you can't. He, he just says all the right things at the right time, which is great. Um I think that really that's all needs to be said. We've just a quick thing. Should, should we explain why we were at the Amex yesterday? All could be revealed later on. Just make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, guys, on teams like Brighton, and you'll get oh, to nice see exactly teaser, what. Nice yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not letting them know just yet. Just yet. <laughs> but look, um, right now we'll go and pass over to Ashley Priest, who will be talking about all things um, over at the Villa ends and how significant of a match this will be for them and their season so we are delighted to be joined by ashley priest birmingham lies best reporter going <laughs> covering the villa ash how are you doing today yeah i'm all well mate so you got the press conference later and then all eyes on sunday huge game for villa for brighton i just hope you just yeah just don't turn up really and just have a walk over and the job's done. So Villa getting Europe. So looking forward to Sunday. Yeah, Brighton. And yeah, you're on the beach, aren't you? So Amazon holidays for you, isn't it, surely? Well, I mean, Deserby did say, basically, we're not on the holidays yet. So we shall see. But um, obviously, uh, Aston Villa did beat Brighton back at the Amex before the World yeah. Cup in November. Um, if we just, before we get to the, the game this Sunday, um, what, how has... Emery transformed a team that was just above the relegation zone to one that's now challenging for Europe. Yeah, many reasons really, Rich. It's basically he's galvanised everyone. He makes everyone feel a part of of the project, basically. Even the squad players who aren't playing, everyone's dialed in. Um, Liam Bailey was speaking this week, the Villa winger. He was saying, I can't believe the, the turnaround when Gerard left and, and, to, and when Emery took charge and how it is now. Um, just, just, uh, just elite, elite level manager. Deserby's the same, I, I believe, and and just there's levels to this management game, I think. And, and Emery's certainly one of the best in, in the world for me. 
Um, quick turnaround, like you've said, in seven months to get Villa where they are now has been pretty incredible. But style of play, tactically, it's, it's been incredible. It's similar to what Brighton do, build out from the back. Um, they're very patient, not rushing, not all gung-ho and a million miles an hour. Emery says 90 minutes is, is a long time in football. Take your time, work through the thirds. Um, so it's very similar to what Brighton style of play uh, and what Deserby's doing down there. So, um, yeah, real, recognised real. Deserby speaks highly of Emery. And em- Emery loves Brighton, mate. He-, he watches them all the time. And he, has to, he gets asked about watching football and who who'd you rate. Brighton's always his number one team. He loves Brighton, Emery does. Um, so, yeah, be, um, there'll be a big embrace on Sunday, I believe. But, yeah, Emery's turned it around massively. And he's just a good, good manager. Good style yeah. of play. He's, uh, the players are all focused. The players are de- delivering for him. And that wasn't the case under Gerard. I think Gerard burned some bridges too soon. Um, and yeah, just, just one of them things. And, and Emery's man management has been fantastic. And let, let's talk about the absolute turnaround as well in the Premier League table too. When Gerard left, you know, there were talks of another relegation yeah. battle. Now you're, you're on the cusp of actually getting European football back at Villa Park. Did anyone really see Emery being able to actually get such a quick turnaround in place at Villa Park? Not at all, not at all. I mean, would he snap around off for a top 10 finish, to be honest? The, th- the fact we're in seventh now going into the final game, it's pretty extraordinary. Um, Villa fans, myself included, probably a bit greedy now. We want, we want, we want that Conference League. We want Europe, whereas, like said, you asked me this a few weeks ago, I said, just give me 10th, good season, that is brilliant. But now we're seventh, it's so close, we just need to... Better the results of Brentford and, and Tottenham on Sunday and, and just get the, get the job done. So, yeah, I mean, the fact we're talking about European football, it's just it's quite silly, to be honest with you. I was at, I was at Craven Cottage back in October. Gerard being booed off, 3-0, getting hammered by Fulham, 3-0. And, yeah, relegation was on the cards. It really was. The players were poor. John McGinn, Tyra Mings, Watkins, there was all, all the fans were saying, get rid of them. They're not good enough. And now there are star players. So, um, yeah, credit where credit's due. The players have been incredible. And I think Emery's just getting getting so much more out of them. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it, remarkable turn. For me, I'd be a bit, bit harsh saying this. I think Emery should be manager of the year, given, given the turnaround. I know, I know Deserby's done incredible. But Emery, where Villa were, uh, staring down the barrel and to have them where they are now, it's just it's got to be got to be the turnaround of the season. So, yeah, Emery gets my pick, a bit, bit, bit biased, but I won't, I won't begrudge deserve to get a manager there either. Two good managers, you know. For sure. Um, just want to ask, obviously, obviously, you know, the turnaround has been incredible, but where do you think the key area of improvement in the pitch has been to, to be the springboard for this success? Yeah, defence, Rich. Um, I think it's, what is it now? Five goals conceded from open playing 14 games, something like that. A lot of clean sheets in that time. Uh, away from home, they're very, very, very good as well. Defensively, I think just, just the defence. Tyra Mings, Ezri Kanta, the two centre-halves, working with Emi Martinez, building out from the back. I think I just think it gives Villa a strong structure to build off. And going, I'll go into every game now, not fancying the opportunity to score, you know. I mean, Liverpool, Liverpool won seven on the spin last week at Anfield, going into that one. And Villa, Villa shut them down, to be honest. And... To do that, a place like that was commendable. Um, yeah, defence, just defensively, they're all, you'll see Villa going to, not so much at home, but away from home, they're going to a back six at times, just soak up the pressure. Um, 
and then just 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 counter attack that way and, and go through it. But uh, yeah, it's just so much more solid at the back now. And like you say, if, 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 if you've got that that system in place defensively, you always got a chance of winning winning games, which has been the case at Villa. So yeah, the the, the, the key for me, the catalyst for Villa's form and turnaround has been the defense. It's been incredible. Ash, for you, who's been the standout player under Emery? Yeah, I mean, you'd say Ali Watkins initially. 12 goals in 16 games. He scored, he was on fire, but he hasn't scored in six now, I don't think. He missed his penalty last week. But I think it'd be a toss-up between uh, John McGinn and Tyro Mings. Like I said earlier, two players who were cast aside earlier in the season. They, they, they ain't good enough to take us to the next level. They've had the time. But um, they've come roaring back, you know. I, I tell you what, Tyra Mings, deservedly in the England squad, he's been incredible. He gets a lot of stick from players, from fans who don't watch much much of Villa, given his a lot of the time his mistakes can creep in. But if you watch Mings week week in week out, he's in, he's one of the best defenders in the league, you know. And John McGinn, I mean, he's he's uh, pretty incredible, really. Um, he, he, I'm guilty. If, I, I didn't think he was at the level Villa needed him to be. To be honest with you, given Three million pounds on him, Hibernian did well in the championship. Okay, he's doing all right, but in the first couple of years. But I thought we need we need something else now. But tell you what, John McGinn, you'll see on Sunday, he's absolutely incredible. The way he's just steamrolling through teams, his goal at Charles was brilliant. He's playing a little bit higher now on, on, on the right hand side, a bit more, a bit more of his Scottish kind of role where he gets goals. He's much so much more of a threat. But McGinn's everywhere, so yeah, out of Tyra Mings and John McGinn for me. Ollie Watkins has towered off a little bit, but. Yeah, I'd probably say him again. He's been incredible. If there was an area that is a weakness or can be got at for Villa, where would you say that is on the pitch? I'd say down the flanks, to be fair, because I don't think Alex Moreno will make Sunday. The Spaniard left-back, uh, he picked up an injury last week, but um, he attacks quite a lot down the left and it does leave Villa quite vulnerable down that side. Yeah, down, down the wings, I'm, I'm pretty pretty wary of Mitoma. Um, down, down the left-hand side, really, Mitoma. Yeah. yeah um, Villa's right back, Ashley Young, he come out the other week. Matty Cash, he's only just come back from injury as well. So, I think down the sides, I think Mitoma would be a big threat at the weekend. Um, so, yeah, down the flanks. Villa are vulnerable down there because the way, the, the way they go, the way they attack down the left-hand side initially and down the right, Cash has, Matty Cash has had much first-team football of late, given injuries. So, I think Matoma could be the big, the big danger player for Villa. Uh, where do you see the key battles on the pitch um, between Villa and Brighton ahead of the weekend? The ones that will make or break it for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, will Lewis Dunk play the weekend? Um, will he come back? Probably. In? Yeah, I'd say Duncan Watkins might, might yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty massive, really. Watkins has had the better of his centre halves. Uh, for the majority to the turn of the year, he, he, he occupies two centre-halves really well, Watkins on his own. And then you've got, um, likewise, you know, the people Wildbacks in form, isn't it? Danny Wildbacks in, in banging form. Um, I seen him at the bar the week, in the week. Yeah, can, can Ming stop him a little bit? Um, Evan Ferguson, will, will he start the weekend, you reckon? I reckon so, because he came off the bench yes, against City. So I reckon, yeah. He'll, yeah, he'll he'll start, yeah. Physical presence, great with his feet as well. I'm quite wary, wary of the threat he's from set pieces as well. Do you know what I mean? Villa have been a bit vulnerable from set plays. Um, so, yeah, Evan Ferguson will be a big threat. Likewise, Matoma. Down that, Matoma and Matty Cash down that left-hand side. That will be um, a really good battle. And, yeah, Lewis Dunkley-Watkins. Yeah, um, 
yeah, can, Ollie Watkins is looking to obviously end his goal drought and he's, he's on 14 goals for the season. He's best, he, that's his best tally. So he's looking to break his his 14 goal record for a Villa season. So Lewiston could be, yeah, try, try and keep him, keep him out. Just looking a little bit further ahead, how important, I guess, for Villa is it to get this Conference League spot in terms of attracting players and just in terms of the summer, is it likely to to be some big money signings made to, to really push on? Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Brighton do, to be honest, as well. Um, Brighton are very clever in the market. Um, I've got to commend them for that. But yeah, Villa, Villa, Villa will go big. Villa will be bold in the Conference League. It's more revenue, isn't it, as well? I think it's in the... the TV alone is £20 million and then you've got your gate receipts and so it's going to be a money spinner. It's going to be huge. It will help with transfers, Villa Stadium development. But yeah, in terms of the summer market, Villa will, Villa will go big. It's Emery's first full season in charge. Villa want to be, you might, might laugh at this, Villa, Villa want to be cha- challenging for the Champions League places. That's, that's the owner's remit. That's Emery's remit long term. They want to be doing that top four. And, and yeah, I mean, the owners will give Emery exactly what he needs. I'm expecting a few early signings, maybe Matteo Guendouzi from Marseille, who's worked with him before. Um, loads of links from Spain as well, Rich. Um, Nico Williams, Atletico Bilbao, uh, La Salso, Tottenham, and um, Villarreal. Yeah, I'm expecting quite a few Span- Spanish-based players to, to come over. And, and really, yeah, Villa squad is quite thin. Um, we, need, we need to beef it out with a, bit, with a bit of quality. Villa will be fighting hard on four fronts next season, hopefully. Uh, with with Europe as well, so yeah, Villa will be big players in the, in the summer market. The only problem you've got, you got your Newcastle, Liverpool will come again. Chelsea probably will spend spend big again as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, Brighton Brighton will pick out the gems, won't they? Brighton will pick out the best signings as per. So um, yeah, we'll be watching watching Brighton's transfer activity with Emery. I think. Yeah, you you've, you've touched on it for next season. Obviously, Chelsea have been hands down the most underwhelming side going Liverpool just haven't really hit the mark as much as they should have done this season Tottenham Tottenham are just Tottenham um (laughs) so can we do you reckon there's going to be an absolute dogfight for European places next season or do you think it's going to be a case of a few of us battling for the last scrap scraps almost or can you really see another change in the whole of the top six system again yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be interesting to see how Brighton and Villa, hopefully, touch wood, manage their European fixture list. Do you know what I mean? It's, it will be quite relentless. Thursdays, Sundays, Saturdays, a lot of games. How, how will they manage that? They need to get the squads ready for that. But yeah, next season, Emery says there's a, there's a top eight now. There's no such thing as a top six. There's a top eight at least. And and yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what, what clubs you mentioned do. Tottenham, in a mess right now. Uh but yeah, I think, I think it'll be a real dogfight. I really do. I think it could be the most competitive season ever, g- given what Brighton are doing. I mean, I'm impressed with Brentford as well. Brentford have been incredible this season. Uh, Villa will come again. Newcastle are strong now. Man U will want a challenge for the title, no doubt. What will Arsenal do? Man City will, will be Man City again. They'll be there to go, be chased down. Yeah, I think it will be will be really competitive. Best league in the world, as we all know. Yeah, clubs like Wolves and that. Do you know what I mean? What would they do? Uh, Palace have had a decent season. Anyone beats anyone, you know that. Yeah, so I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't try and predict next season's table at all. Do you know what I mean? So it's just see what Brighton and Villa do. Should Villa get Europe? How they manage that? That'd be, that'd be interesting. We've seen the tail off West Ham have had this season, given their European involvement. 
and uh, Brighton and Villa will be looking to avoid avoid that. And you mentioned predictions. I'm going to put you on the spot, Ash. What is your prediction for Sunday's game at Villa Park? Sunday, I think Villa will be three 0 up at half time. They're going to go oh, for it. They're going to go for it. I think Brighton. Yeah, I've just seen it now. Yeah, I can see it. Villa was storming out the blocks. The big, big day at Villa Park on Sunday. It's it should be a carnival down there because European football. Villa haven't had it in 13 years. And given the turnaround, given the efforts, the players, the management, the fans are buzzing for it. So Villa will come flying out the blocks. I really believe that. Emery likes to win games in 45 minutes. He said that last week at Liverpool. Villa 1 0 up there. He said we tried to win the game in the, in the first half and then try and just see it out. So I'm expecting a rapid start by Villa 2 0, 3 0 half time. I, I can see Brighton nothing to play for. Won't waste the time, to be fair. I think De Zerbi might make some changes. Uh, they've already, they've, their work is done. But Villa, Villa have everything to play for, knowing Tottenham are at Leeds. Brentford could beat Man City. Man City season's done real enough. And, and yeah, Villa need to win on Sunday. So yeah, it's one game shoot. Uh, shoot um, it's a one game playoff kind of thing for Villa. Emery's good at these knockout kind of final kind of games, and and yeah, I can't see anything but a Villa win. Specifically, three one, three nil. Yeah, I think three. I'll go three one. I think yeah, Brighton might nick one at the end, uh, given Villa already over the line. But yeah, I'll go three one, home win. Brighton won't care. They're after Europe. Villa after Europe. Deserby and Emery look, hugging each other at the end. Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, I can, I can see it being 3-1 Villa. Yeah. Uh, we're at the beach, guys. We, we, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Job's done for us. <laughs> That's all I'm, Do you know, I, it was the worst feeling I just felt a couple of weeks ago. I go, it's going to go to the wire. It's going to be like the last place in Europe decided at Villa Park. And I thought... No. Villa are going to win 17-0. Yeah, it was something <laughs> silly like that. Match-fixing scandal and it's finest there with that result. But like, yeah, I, I just... I could, I could have... I just had this feeling like oh, it's going to be the last game of the season. The w- winner takes it all. And yeah. I knew if, if that was going to happen, it would be the most Brian and Ovalbian thing for it to happen. <laughs> and Villa get it. I, I really thought, but job done on our end. And yeah, I want to, because I just don't want Tottenham. I'm still bitter of that away win and that VAR nonsense. Oh. Yeah. Not, that I'm, not that I'm petty. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think Villa will, come out strong I think 2-0 at half time and then I think Brighton maybe might get one back um, yeah because I think that Brighton they did amazingly they did rest quite a lot of first team players for City like yeah. McAllister didn't start Dunk didn't start yeah. yeah Ferguson didn't start so they, they will have some fresh players but the fact that uh Brighton have played eight games or so in the last month uh mm. and they've got a, a fairly Fred Bear squad uh I think yeah I think Villa will be so up for it. Um, it will be interesting just to see if things don't go to plan for Villa and say Brighton take the lead. Early goal, yeah. Yeah, what the, the What that will do to the crowd. Um, I hope that they kind of, you know, rule them on because, like, yeah, I would I, I would like to see Villa qualify ahead of Spurs because um, that would just be funny. Um, yes. But, yeah, it should, be, it should be a good one. But, yeah, Ash, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, do you want to just maybe say where people can find you? Uh, work quite yeah. on social media yeah i'm on uh at priest observer on twitter um so yeah yeah um follow me on there i'll be at villa park sunday brighton will bring a good crowd up uh, as they always do yeah to those brighton fans traveling up to birmingham see you there have a good day out um yeah so yeah have a good day and uh yeah uh, season's finishing 
Thanks to Rich and you guys. It's been a great season. And hopefully we're off to Europe, Europe next, next year. Yep, sounds good. Happy days. Well, uh, Ash, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening and for watching as well. Be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube and to follow us on whatever podcasting platform that you listen to. Till then, guys, up the Albion and look forward to a European tour. Mm-hmm.